0: Welcome to Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, January 19th, and I'm Blair Kirchhoff. We have a two for today, two topics for you. We'll start with beat writers Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore breaking down Kansas' 77-69 loss to Baylor on Monday. It was the Jayhawks' second straight league loss, and that hasn't happened since 2013. We'll open the segment with some comments by Bill Self as he addressed reporters after the game. After a break, you'll hear all of Andy Reid's news conference from Monday. There was so much ground to cover, we decided not to omit anything. So you'll get Reid's thoughts on the Patrick Mahomes' head injury, and notice Reid doesn't say his quarterback suffered a concussion, and questions about the AFC title game opponent, the Buffalo Bills, the head coaching job chances of Eric enemy, and the play of backup quarterback Chad Henne. A lot of good stuff from Andy Reid, but... Let's get started with some sound from Bill Self, followed by Jesse Newell and Gary Bedour on the KU loss at Baylor on Monday.
1: We got it to five, so I, I thought we played pretty well. I, I'll, I'll be honest, guys, we played damn well the second half. I mean, uh, uh, you know, they made some. You know, one guy beat us, uh, they, and he was great. But they made some shots, and of course, we made shots too. Second half, but but I thought I thought we played well the second half, and you, you eliminate. Our live ball turnovers that led to points. I mean, we played. We played. That's about as well as we played in a in a in a, in a stretch. To be honest with you, I thought I thought it's pretty good considering we put ourselves in a hole. We we're down sixteen, but uh, uh, they're good. They're, they're 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 a bad bad team to play from behind with mm-hmm. because of uh, the guards they have and and uh, you know you foul and they make all their free throws. What were they tonight? Twelve or thirteen? So it was a. Uh, and the wrong guy shot him, so for the most part. But I, I was uh, – uh, you know, I, I'm leaving out of here – I'm not leaving out of here mad. I'm leaving out of here disappointed without question. But, you know, you you, you, you take a couple of things from this. Uh, uh, I thought we fought pretty hard. I I thought that uh, Ochai and CB obviously shot the ball well. You shouldn't base your performance just on how well you shoot it. But I, I, I thought we did some good things. I, I, th- I thought our bench was better. Uh, I thought Mitch and Tristan and Juan all did some good things. Uh, uh, but you, you can't play, you can't spot a team 13 points at halftime and, and expect to come back, even though, you know, cut it to five. And, and I, I, I think we, I think we, I, I could be wrong, guys. Did we have the ball down five? Uh, uh, and then we underthrew, uh, uh, David on the post and, and, uh, they got two points and then we turned over and five goes to 10 or 11. And, and then, you know, you're playing catch up again.
0: Okay, we got Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore here. The Jayhawks lost to Baylor, second-ranked Baylor, uh, 77-69 to on, on Big Monday. KU's second straight conference loss. I didn't realize that's the first losing streak in league play since the 12-13 season, which is kind of amazing, Gary, when you think about it. It's been that long since since KU has lost just two in a row, and, and in that case, in In the 12-13 season, I believe it was three in a row, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, they lost three in a row that year. Um, They have lost two games of any kind a couple times. As Mitch, somebody pointed out to Mitch last night, they lost to uh, the the Final Four team of Devontae and those guys got beat uh, by Arizona State and Washington in Sprint Center if you remember that horrible game but um, they're actually off to their worst start in conference play since 88 89 when they were 3 and 4 so they don't drop 3 games this quickly after 7 total games in the Bill self era yeah three, that was 4 and 3 is is getting to be you know moderately alarming if if it continues.
0: Yeah. That, 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 uh, that 88, 89 season was Roy Williams. First uh, moderately alarming. Guys,
3: <laughs> Blair, did you want a, a podcast headline at epi- for this episode? Cause I think you just got it. Nailed it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Um, Jesse, I thought, uh, you know, so I tuned into the post game press conference last night and I thought bill self and we heard a little bit of it before we started talking Bill Self was um, – I think he he said he wasn't going home angry, just a little disappointed. Um, He was a little more upbeat than maybe I expected him to be for a game in which Kansas never led, trailed by 16 uh, in the first half and 13 at halftime, but did play a pretty decent second half and got the lead cut to five a couple of times. Is this – uh, I don't know. Is, is there ever an acceptable loss for Kansas?
3: Uh, I, I guess I'll use Gary's term because you probably saw my face on the zoom call with the same thing when, when Bill Self was talking so positively, uh, moderately alarming, uh, alarming because I was uh, pretty confused by that as well. I, 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 that was not what I was expecting, especially from Bill Self who has been ultra competitive throughout his career. And uh never likes losing. As you mentioned, Blair, some things went right for Kansas and they weren't competitive in that game. You know, they made a bunch of threes. They made some tough shots uh, They haven't been hitting threes lately. And so Baylor led wire to wire. Uh, KU did cut it to five, but uh, that, that wasn't super competitive on the stretch. It wasn't like, you know, there was super game pressure on on Baylor to to come up with plays. So I don't know that Bill Self is correct when he talked after the game about how, hey, look, KU is not on Baylor's level. I mean, it's clear. You know, KU is probably about the 15th best team in America. Baylor is clearly with Gonzaga as a top two team nationally. Hopefully those two teams get to meet at some point. But I don't know that it's great if Bill Self sees that as a way to just kind of throw your hands up after what should have been 11 point loss before Christian had the bad beat of the year, hitting a double clutch three to send all the Vegas betters home crying and to make it eight. But I I don't think that means you should just throw your hands up and say that this team has no ceiling. This team has no chance and that the best this team can do when it shoots well and turn turns Baylor over a bunch of times is to lose by eight. I I don't know. Um, I was, that was strange. I I did not expect that. Um, I, I, don't know what i expected from bill self but that was a little bit off and I don't really know what to make of it, honestly. I I don't know what to make of it. I guess I'm still processing it at this point. So, yeah, we'll see where Kansas moves heading forward. Um, I think they have a greater ceiling in them. I think they have players that they aren't getting as much out of as they potentially can down the line. I think they have a style they can go to that they played earlier this year in the five out that they aren't utilizing enough. They only played it for three minutes in the last four games. And um, obviously, they're not getting enough out of Jalen Wilson as they did earlier in the season because of the style they've gone to. So, it is a little bit confusing at this point. Um, I, I didn't think it was an encouraging performance from Kansas. So the fact that Bill Self did that did that did surprise me a little bit.
0: Okay. Gary, what what, what about Jalen Wilson? His numbers are are down the last few games. I, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me to know what he finished with last night, but it took him a while to get his first bucket, and um, and we have seen better games from him.
2: Yeah, he was two for seven shooting. Marcus Garrett had five turnovers and eight assists. Um, when when we were talking before the show, it looked like KU might come back to win that game, which they probably would have in past years, if you recall guys like Dotson <laughs> zipping through there for key layups and Frank Mason as they made comebacks. And uh, Wilson has production has been down, but, but Marcus almost looks like a guy who, uh, who is ailing or something. He just, he's not really fluid at the point. And I don't want to blame him for everything. But um, my eye test is not giving me positive vibes on Marcus Garrett right now. I don't know what Jesse thinks, but Jalen, uh, I, I really don't know what's wrong with him, except maybe like Jesse said, the style of play. Uh, isn't fitting him with without the five guards. But uh, do I don't really be- know. But, m- but my guy that the eye test is hurting on is Marcus Garrett.
3: Gary's right. That's what I think. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Um, when you play point guard for Kansas, it takes a lot out of you. It just does. And we've seen players in the past, I'm thinking guys like Sharon Collins, who was in the McDonald's All American Dunk Contest, you know. He was not showing that same sort of athleticism late in his career. He was laying the ball up. Elijah Johnson was super athletic. He had to play point guard for Kansas late in his career. Uh, What happened to him? Again, he became less of an explosive player. Frank Mason, same way. It just, it takes it out of you. And you add on top of that with Marcus Garrett that he battled this sort of weird illness early in the year. Bill Biltzoff's talked about how he's had trouble catching his breath. He, He has not played explosively, and that's so important. Last year, you know, he was getting right-handed drives and getting kind of a burst to get past people. That was his most efficient offense. He just doesn't have that this year. So that's obviously concern number one, and Gary's completely on with Jalen Wilson. When KU went five guards late to try to come back in that game, you saw a different Jalen Wilson. Like He perked up. He was driving. He was aggressive. He was finding teammates. But, what, but he and David McCormick right now are not a good fit in together because when David's in there, Jalen feels like he has to get the ball to David. And then also when David's in there, the driving lanes are cut down and the offense is going through David. So um, this is sort of an identity crisis for Kansas, honestly. Uh built off and coaching staff kind of need to pick a lane here. I mean, they had a lot of success earlier with Jalen Wilson. He looked like he was going to be an all-Big 12 first-team type of player. When KU was centering the offense around him, he could drive. He could shoot. uh, He obviously could find teammates. They've gone in a different direction lately to try to feed the ball to David McCormick, and it really – you see those two guys when one is good, one is bad, and and they need to figure out, ideally for Kansas – Which one are they going to play with? Which one are they going to throw the offense through? And that's, I know we talked about this last week, Blair, when you kind of uh, threw the thing at me about, hey, the Big 12 race is over, but we'll see after the Baylor game. Well, hey, the Big 12 race really is over now. So KU has two months to get this thing figured out. And I think that's the number one question. Are you going to run your offense? Are you going to run your team through Jalen Wilson or Dave McCormick? I think KU needs to pick a path here.
0: Okay. KU race may be over for KU, but there's still a lot of Big Twelve. The uh, Big Twelve race uh, may be over, but a lot of games to play. Uh, starting Saturday, Gary, the OU uh, is the next opponent. They go down to Kansas. Goes down to Oklahoma. They've already played the Sooners. Tight game in in Lawrence. Um, what do we think? Is this uh, uh, um, K- Kansas's you know success rate in Oklahoma not bad? Not bad, and they, they they certainly take care of business at Allen Fieldhouse against the Sooners. Um, is this is this a uh, four and three in the conference? If they don't they don't win this game to, to drop to four and four, um, that is uh, yep. how would you put it? Uh, <laughs> moderately alarming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah,
2: uh, an eleven o'clock game, and uh, you know it could. It, it's probably going to be a close game, so they need to get it going. There's a batch of teams that have three losses in the league. So uh, Kansas, ha- I believe TCU has a uh, COVID thing going on, so maybe that next game, it, that'll be finally have a home game in Lawrence. That might be in jeopardy right now. So uh, I would think that they just have to – just win, just win, baby, as they say. They've got to get the W.
0: Just win, baby. That's that's the old uh, Al Davis line. You know, just win, yeah. So. All right, guys. Hey, good conversation, and uh, we will catch up with you again next week. All right. Thanks. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
4: Talk about, um, other than uh, and he's in the protocol there, so um, we'll just follow that and see how he how he does here the next couple days. Um, uh, so with that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the game. I had a chance to look at it on, on tape and review it. I sure like the effort of the players. Um, I thought they came out and played four quarters of good aggressive football. I like the um, sum, summarizing it. I, I like the game plans that both coordinators had and, uh, and Dave had on, on special teams. Um I thought the defensive scheme that Spags put together against what I thought was a very explosive offense. Um, both in the run and the pass game was was tremendous. I thought the players played uh in challenge that way. They had a lot of confidence in the game plan. Uh Badger had the, the interception, uh, Big Chris had uh that last series that you know, he just bared down and did some beautiful things. Dan's um, uh, tackle. Um, it was great, which created a safety there. I mean, that was a great job by him, um, and and so on. So, anyways, there are a bunch of personal things that that came through. Uh, Sneed I thought, you know, for being in his first playoff game, I thought he did a nice job. as a young guy, so all positive things on the offensive side. Um, Patrick was actually having a. Uh, a really good game up until up until that point. I thought our offensive line um, did a nice job against what I thought was the strength of that defense and uh, that front. And so uh, they paired down and got the run game going early and we had a nice little mix going there. Um, uh, and then obviously when Pat goes out now Chad comes in and uh, I was proud of all the guys around Chad that had had that confidence in him, and Chad. I told you, Chad mentioned that to the team as he broke the team down uh, uh, after the game. So, uh, but I, I thought Chad uh, played with great composure, uh, in particular for that situation. Then for it to come down to the last, the last series there, the big run that he had was was great. He, he dusted off those old legs and got him moving a little bit. Um, came up a hair short and then came back and made a nice throw to Tyreek uh, to clinch it um, anyways I, again um, I, I thought all the coaches had had uh, input um, not only in the game plan but also during the game on both sides of the ball there was great communication on the defensive side offensively um I was I was part of that uh, just with, with talking and um, you know between EB Mike Kafka Joe Blameyer Greg Lewis, all, uh, Tom Melvin all those guys uh, Deland uh, everybody was talking and putting giving input that was productive and and so um, I just again really appreciated that <laughs> when it came down to the uh, last
0: minute of the game when sometimes, people can go silent um on the
4: on the headset uh there was good communication there and um i mentioned that joe gave a heads up when uh it was prior it was the call prior to um the throw that listen we might uh it was actually the play that chad ran it but listen we might we might need a uh Fourth down call, if you decide to go that way, you get a potential big call coming up here, Coach. So, you know, one of those deals. So he gave me a nice heads up. And uh, and then um, Mike Kafka reminded me that of uh, what the quarterbacks had on their script the night before on fourth and one to win the game. And, and he gave me the thumbs up. I mean, you know, so everybody was involved. It was, you know, and that's really what it's all about. We'll need that same thing, obviously, coming up this week against a great Buffalo team. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm honored that we're, we're able to play in front of our, our home crowd. And I, I know they'll be out of their minds um, as uh, and help lead us uh, on through this game. So, again, much appreciated, all the fans support. Anyways, with that time, George. Let's
0: go first to Adam Tysher. Go ahead, Adam.
4: Hey, Andy, um, regarding the decision to go forward on fourth down, you made that same decision in similar circumstances, obviously, several times this year now.
0: Has your philosophy, your, your thoughts on trying to convert on fourth down in those situations changed at all uh, over the years? And,
4: and, Brad, I'll have a quick follow up as well. Well, listen, I, I think all of us as, as coaches, offensive coaches, or head coaches, whoever is making that decision for that team, would tell you that the philosophy hasn't necessarily changed, but you're going to evaluate things that might change around your thinking. So maybe it's, um, you know, your football team and the, the quality of players that you have. And, and, the and then at that moment, uh, what's, you know, how are you feeling about that situation at that particular time in the game? Uh, you know, and so on. I mean, there are a few things that go into that. So I would tell you that, Um, obviously this team is uh, this offense is a veteran group of guys and I've got trust in them and uh, um, you know, so I I just felt that it was okay to go there. I mean, I had another situation down earlier that we didn't go and we attempted a field goal, so uh, there's a time and a place uh, for everything and uh, you just try to have a feel on that, best you can all right. And when you do convert, lately you've been trying to throw the ball. When did fourth and one or fourth and two become a throwing down? Well, you know, I went to BYU, so every down's a throwing down. I mean, that's how, that's how that goes, you know. Um, I, I was educated that way by LaBelle Edwards and uh, throw any time, any place, and uh, try to remain, keep a little bit of that with me as I've gone forward. I, I think if you have confidence in it, Adam, that that uh um it's really no different than the run. I mean you know you're you're uh in today's world. So anyways I I feel good about it. Let's
0: go next to Herbie Tiope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey coach, good
1: uh, afternoon. I was getting ready to say good morning. Good afternoon. You've been around a lot of players who have been concussed before in your career. Um, and obviously there are some days that we're going to have to wade through here, but based on your experience, what is your optimism level that you will have Mahomes available uh, potentially for practice and even for the
0: game? And Brad, I'll
1: have another question.
4: Yeah. So listen, I mean, hurry, I, I just leave that with Rick and the docs and I, uh, because of the protocol, we are it's a no-brainer from the coach's standpoint. You don't have to think about it. You just have to go forward and make sure you have an answer if he's there and an answer if he's not there. Uh, I can't tell you from a medical standpoint where he's at. I mean, I don't know that.
0: So uh, that's their decision, and I just follow it. So. Okay. And then, Coach, um, yesterday the CBS broadcast caught a little interaction on the sidelines between Tyreek Hill
1: and uh, wide receivers coach Greg Lewis. I'm curious if you saw that and uh, – what did you say to uh, Tyreek after the game?
4: Yeah, you know that uh, that was—they uh, were messing around. It wasn't like that was not. A, I know how it came off, but if you know, if you know that if you look at two minutes or a minute later, thirty seconds later, wherever it was, they're they're laughing over there. So it's not that wasn't. A, uh, that's a great room right there, and those guys are very close, and they're they're lucky to have Greg, and they all know that. So he's been there, done that. You got a great feel for those guys. And and uh, I, I think if you talk to both of them, they tell you that
0: was, they were just messing around with him. So. Let's go next to Bob Fisco. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, Andy, what was the, I guess, maybe the deciding factor that made you decide Chad Henney was the right guy for, for backup for you guys when you signed him a couple of years ago?
4: Yeah, so, listen, it came down to both those guys, both Chad and, and Matt. Um, we're lucky to have both of them, Uh and um, you know we had it was almost a flip of a coin. Both of them had uh, strengths that we liked, and um, uh, Chad. Uh, not that I mean, we listen. Both guys have been successful here, so I'm. I'm. I'm uh, tell, I don't want to compare the two. I want to just tell you that I think Chad's strengths are. Uh, he's a tremendous leader. He's been there um, as a starter, and he's. Um, been there as a backup, and I watched what he did as a backup and how he handled those situations uh, that he was in, and I thought he did that well. Um, and I thought it'd be a great fit for a young quarterback like Pat to have a good support unit that was had some experience. <clears throat> Let's
0: go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy. This may be secondarily on the injury with Patrick,
1: but he did suffer what appeared to be a toe injury uh, in the first half. Is there any update on that injury and how that may play a role if he is allowed to practice, uh, if he is clear from the protocol?
4: Yeah, I, I think he'll be okay there for right now, Nate, with the toe part. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. Let's
1: go next to Vahe Gregorian. Go ahead, Vahe. Hey, Andy. Brad, I'll have a follow-up after the first question. Andy, yesterday you seemed really um, just – moved actually by how the team picked it up when Patrick was hurt. I wonder what that tells you. You could expect out of the mindset next week. If uh, Patrick can't play and then Brad, I'll have that follow up.
4: Yeah. Listen, I mean, I, all the guys have confidence in Chad. I mean, it was, uh, um, if he has to be in there, um, I, I you know, just like they did Matt the year before. And, <clears throat> uh, it's the way those, those guys handle themselves. Um, and so I don't think, you know, that wouldn't change if, if he has to, if he has to play. I mean,
1: I, I I don't think twice about that. I just, if Pat can't go, then that's, then Chad jumps in and rolls. And the other thing, Andy, obviously the running game is is part of Patrick's game and it's important. I, I just wonder how you, how do you process the risk reward in situations with Patrick and, and the run? I mean, you know, obviously it's hindsight that he got hurt, but, Eddie, what goes into your decision-making?
4: Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it does happen. I mean, listen, it happens. Uh, it just hasn't happened much to him uh, over time here. So um, that will still be part of the game, um, depending on what the play is um, as we go down the road. But, you know, let's just see how things work out this week for him, see how, see how it works.
0: Let's go next to Seren Petro. That's right.
4: and brad i'll have a follow-up as well here just to, to kind of go a little bit further on that can, can you can you i don't believe you've run the quarterback sneak since patrick was hurt uh in the game in denver with with the kneecap uh just you know there are a lot of people wondering what what's the difference between risking and a sneak versus being okay and the option is it is it a play that generally you think is safer gives him more chance to protect himself. is there a difference Uh, between the the safety issue and and those types of different plays, those types of quarterback run plays? Yeah, so, you know, Saran, it gets you a little bit more on space, um, the ones that we use here as opposed to going up the middle and, you know, just stating the obvious, but yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And then secondarily, um, you know, I know the protocols take over and, and all the doctors do all that. Is there a, you know, if he were cleared on a Sunday morning, having no practices, uh, would, would he be able to, to play? Or is there a certain point during the week where you, maybe not publicly, but you in your head say, okay, he's missed too much and, and he's out and we're going with chat? Well, I'd hate to say it publicly. Well, I, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, listen, I'm, I'll have to evaluate that as we go forward. You know, let's just see how this whole thing rolls. Let's go next to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy. um, Last night
1: after the game, you used the term uh, intestinal fortitude, right? To describe what you were really proud of in in the way that game ended. Um, You guys have a, the whole season has been close wins like that, right? I'm just wondering in your experience, how how rare or or common is it to have a team that has this level of whatever that is, intestinal fortitude? I'm glad you didn't have
4: me define intestinal fortitude. I was worried that you were going there. So, yeah, I think it's unique. It's a unique characteristic to have, and um, this crew's done that. They have trusted each other um, to get that done. Now, rather have it not have to be that way in bigger leads, but um, uh, the bottom line is, you know, that you you attempt to win the football game and do it the best way you can against great competition in this league. So. Um, at times, you're going to have to reach down and just reach a little deeper, and really, uh, you know, whatever that term is, to get in there and use that intestinal fortitude, so to, to get you over the hump. So, and most of it ends up being trusting guys around you, and then straining to make the play uh, a little bit better.
1: And that's what our guys have done to this point. We've got four more. We'll go right down the line, starting with Aaron. Go ahead, Aaron. Coach, you were around when the NFL kind of revamped the concussion protocol back in 2017. What's different now than, I guess, before then? Is it harder to get your hands around those guys and kind of prepare them? What's different on you guys then? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance,
4: uh, uh, you know, back in the day that Patrick comes in. I mean, you know, comes back in. And, and, uh, you know, this, this is a way of protecting, I think, the player most of all also protecting the trainer and doctors that are able to make decisions. There. So, um, you know, that, that's, uh, I think it's a plus all the way around. Um, I think Patrick could tell you, I mean, you saw him run up the tunnel and by the time he got to that point, he was feeling pretty good. So, but you know, there, there's a certain protocol that you have to follow. And, uh, and, and, uh, and that
1: takes it out of the, of the trainer's hand and player's hand and doctor's hand. Yeah. Go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Brad, I'll have a real quick follow to this. But And you said last night um, that, that Patrick passed all the deals. Uh, does that mean that he was or was not diagnosed with concussion and that it, it was an independent doctor's decision or the team's decision not to put him back in?
4: Yeah, so um, he didn't – yeah, he passed – when you, there, you still have to go through all the protocol. It's a there's a day to day plan on that and how they go about it. So especially if a player staggers right there and they've got to go through something,
1: so you know
4: that that ends up being important.
1: Um, and then uh, I'm sure you, you've chatted with him today, even though he hasn't been in the facility. I, what's the message as far as how he's feeling today? Well
3: he felt good enough not to have to do a press conference. We'll go next to Michelle
2: Steele. Go ahead, Michelle. Hey coach. Um, yeah, you've talked about Eric Gennemy in the past, I know, and his role in the Chiefs um, run of su- success. Is it confining, confounding to you maybe that we're in another hiring cycle and he, he just hasn't gotten that opportunity yet to be a head coach? Yeah,
4: um, I mean, everybody knows what I think of Eric, and what kind of head coach I think he'd be, and um, maybe the best thing I can tell you is I hope he goes to the NFC um, uh, when he has that opportunity. But if he, if whoever gets him, it, I think is a very lucky organization. Um, somebody that uh, I that I've come across, one of the few people I've come across that has the leadership skills that he has. to lead men in this crazy game that we're in and um for those guys through his leadership to play at a pro bowl level and so um when he gets his hands on you uh figuratively um he he does wonders with athletes and he's able to maximize their abilities on the field and he gives them um
0: that extra boost uh, to be a productive person off the
4: field and uh, somebody that I would love my son to have played for.
0: And we'll go last to Pete Sweeney.
2: Go to Pete.
0: Brad, if you don't mind, I have just one quick thing after this. But, uh, Coach, I, I know this is a hypothetical right now, but Chad has to go from what you'd be willing to share. Just how drastically
1: might that change your, your strategic plan this weekend?
0: Yeah, so when
4: we were in the game, and, uh, there wasn't anything that I had to stay away from on, on this game plan. Uh, when Chad was in there, I checked with Evie and Mike on it, and they were
0: comfortable. I checked with Chad on it. He just said just all of the way the way uh, he, he had plans, so
4: uh, that's that's how we we went about it as we sat down there and gathered our information. You know.
1: And then my other thing was you, you mentioned Joe and I believe that's
0: Joe Blymeyer a lot this year. Um, we know how you feel about the enemy and Kafka. How
1: bright is his future based upon what he does day to day for you guys?
4: Yeah, nice sharp. Sure. Um, we're, we're blessed uh, with that. Uh, Corey Matej is another one who <clears throat> works with Andy heck and, and works with all that RPO game and uh, does a great job there. Joe Blymeyer, Mike Kafka. I mean, these are all good young football coaches. Uh, Going to be coaching a long time, I think, in this league. So, uh, smart guys. And, uh, and I don't want to slight, you know, Greg Lewis and Dylan and uh, Coach Hack, I probably don't talk
0: enough about. He, he's a tremendous, so, yeah, he does a great job. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make SportsBeat KC happen Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking Kansas basketball. Links to their stories and Chiefs stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Stars. Terrific Chiefs coverage. Now that the playoffs are here for a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month. Unless you cancel, how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product, sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You got all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.com. KansasCity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.